It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. into your daily source for the Cincinnati Reds throughout the offseason. This is the Locked On Reds podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Carr. And here we go. Alrighty, for today's Locked On Reds, I have with me my friend and yours. He's been with us a couple of weeks now. We're talking some good old Reds evaluation, looking at players from last year, looking at them for this year, all that good stuff. Stephen Offenbaker. Steve, how's it going, sir? Aloha. How you doing, Jeff? I am doing pretty solid. The weather was nice today, so I got out, which was great because yesterday the weather sucked and I didn't get out. That's pretty typical of Ohio weather, right? Yeah, at least here lately it's been like on a daily basis instead of an hourly basis, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's terrible here. I mean, I just never know if it's going to be 75 and sunny or 75 and sunny. You just you just <laughs> never know what's going to happen. I was going to say, maybe it fluctuates and gets to like 78 and sunny, right? All right, well, you know, winter hits and we get down to 70 sometimes, and it's just terrible. <laughs> I tell you. Should, should I rub it in some more? Should uh, I just go ahead boy. and rub it in some more? <laughs> so before I get jealous on air, let's talk about um, we're, we're gonna we're gonna look at center field, and it's an interesting topic because number one, we're really excited about the new acquisition of Shogo Akiyama this year, but it's interesting in that his main position is blocking a guy who we have waited for for years. And he finally came up last year, and now all of a sudden he doesn't have home again, and that is Nick Senzel. We're going to look at these two guys today. And I know for evaluation standpoint, it's a little bit more weird. Uh, weird might not be the right word, but different. To look at Shogo's stats and, you know, think about what they might look like in the major leagues and all this other stuff. The one good thing is he has a good eye and he can get on base. What what were your thoughts, your initial thoughts on Shogo and what you might see from him this year? Well, for me, this is one of the more confusing moves that they made in the offseason. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not disappointed that we have this player. It just it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me that they would go out and give a three-year deal to a, a center fielder when, you know, they had Nick Senzel who they've asked to move to center field. And, you know, because of the contract that Shogo uh, was given, this clearly wasn't a move that was done in an effort to just add depth or to, uh, you know, shore up what they thought was maybe a weak outfield. This was, this was a deal for a, a player that they clearly see as coming in and contributing and getting a lot of playing time. So I found that to be very confusing. And especially when 
the Reds front office was saying that, you know, Nick Senzel's our guy. We like him in center field. We really think he could be there for the next several years. And then they go out and sign Shogo Akiyama. So I don't know if they were worried about Senzel's shoulder. I don't know if there was some other move that maybe this uh, shutdown of baseball bumped off that may have freed up a space. I'm not quite sure what happened, but I think that this signing was done with something else in mind. And that's the only way that it really does make sense. It's interesting to me because Senzel definitely has the athleticism to play pretty much anywhere on the field, I think. And when you look at Shogo, he is primarily a center fielder in uh, Nippon professional baseball there are some who do not believe he profiles as a center fielder in Major League Baseball and more of a corner outfielder, which would further add to the number of corner outfielders that are on this team. But when you look at him, he's he's going to be 32. The last five straight years, he has played 143 games. This is according to BaseballReference.com. He's played 143 games every single year for the last five years. The lowest number of plate appearances that I'm seeing was 659 in 2017. So there's two things that you can take away from that. Number one, he's durable. He's consistently durable. Or number two, something's coming. I I, I don't know. It's hard to predict that sort of thing. Predicting health is like predicting the weather when it comes to sports. But overall, does that concern you? I'm, I mean, okay, a couple things to, to keep in mind. You know, he's now, this is going to be his age 32 season if we have a season. Uh, injuries, you know, as you start to age, things start to break. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. I'm not concerned about how much wear and tear he has on him already. He looked good in the abbreviated spring training that we had. You know, he looked comfortable. Um, you know, there was flashes of him being able to handle some of the major league pitching. I mean, obviously, the pitchers weren't doing what they would do with him in a regular season game. But still, he 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 wasn't overmatched or embarrassed. So I think that his his long-term outlook is still to play 140 games at the major league level. You know, will we get 162 out of him? I don't think so. I think just the nature of the way David Bell constructs a team in a lineup, there's going to be rest built in for Shogo, but I think that that's a, an asset, his his durability, and I don't see that taking some kind of rapid decline in this season. So I've got a thought on how this can play out, but I want to talk about our friend Nick Senzel first. Dude came up and set the world on fire in like his first month, and then he kind of petered out a little bit. He changed his swing halfway through the season, didn't like it, finally got a change back to the way he had it, and then he got hurt, and we weren't able to see anything more from him. So when you look at his statistics for his rookie season, they're kind of underwhelming. They're not bad, but they're not necessarily good. I definitely don't think that it's a bad omen. I think he's going to be fine. Reports were in the offseason that he's figured out what it was that were, you know, was getting him all of that production early on, and he's gotten back to that way of approaching hitting. But overall, what were your thoughts on his rookie season and how it 
was going to play out possibly this year. Well, let's just call it what it really was this offseason. He went back to to the offseason workouts and and tried to undo everything that Turner Ward did to him. Yeah. That's that's really what happened. You know, Nick Senzel is a big reason why Turner Ward was fired after one season. Uh, for Senzel, he came up and was clearly comfortable facing major league pitching. He was not overmatched. Uh, he had opposite field power. You know, he hit 12 home runs last year with uh, a swing that got wrecked and then a bum shoulder. So, you know, there were flashes of what he can contribute. And for a guy that's coming up, first time facing major league pitching, first time playing a position at anywhere, and he's playing it at the major league level, and it's not an easy position center field. So, you know, there was a lot going on with Nick Senzel, and everything I saw from him said that he's willing to put in the work and he's able to deliver um, at the big league level. So, you know, I'm not worried at all about, you know, him getting it straight and un- being able to undo the things that went wrong last season. You know, the real concern now is, is he going to be given the opportunity to get out there and, and show what he can do? And I'm not so sure that the current roster construction is going to allow for him to settle in. I think it's going to be an entire season of him battling for playing time. And I think that's unfortunate. I think it's unfair. And I think that it really is maybe uh, a miscalculation on the part of the Reds front office. I think it's interesting because when you when we think about what the front office has done over the last two years, we do applaud them for being at least aggressive and maybe a little proactive with some of their evaluations, getting rid of players that they need to get rid of and adding talent where they need to add talent. But I might be with you on this one. This might be a situation where maybe they put the cart before the horse a little bit. They needed to give him a little bit more leeway, and they haven't quite done that. I mean, you know, national broadcasts would obviously label him as a sneaky fast, a scrappy player with a really good uh, book sense and the kind of – no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go into all that. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I didn't realize I was doing an interview with Joe Buck today. <laughs> Yeah, he, uh, hey, listen, and while I'm thinking about it, I've got a bone to pick with you just as uh-oh. a sidebar. Uh-oh. Where was I in consideration for the Reds greatest contributor from Hawaii? This is what I need to know. You've got an article <laughs> out on Red Leg Nation right now, and I was not even an honorable damn mention. So I need to know <laughs> what the thought process was there. I don't know, man. I, I, I really think when you look at the two guys, um, between, I think it was uh, Scott Feldman and Mike Lum, the greatness of Mike Lum just really eclipses uh, any, I'm just kidding, it it might not even be Mike Lum. I'm not even (laughs) sure if that's his first name. I just remember his last name was Lum because I'm like, whose last name is Lum? (laughs) um, Sorry, I I just had to to give you a little gas. And plus plug your article out at redlegnation.com right now. Uh, Not only does Jeff have some good stuff over there, but there's there's some interesting stuff that, that Doug and the guys are putting out to just kind of fill the baseball void for us. So go over there and give them some support. You know, as we talk about supporting small businesses and and places that are struggling during this shutdown, you know, one of those small businesses that's struggling during the shutdown is Red Leg Nation. And if you enjoy 
to uh, receive independent news about the Cincinnati Reds as well as its minor league system, the best thing you can do to make sure that that continues is to go over to redlegnation.com, click on the articles, read them, click an ad or two if you're so compelled, and help support that uh, that business that Doug Gray's running over there. There absolutely is a lot of good stuff going on. I know uh, Tom Mitzoff has been doing a series of Stratomatic baseball games, just simulating the games that would have happened had there been a season. Um, and I really appreciate everything that's been going on over there. And the uh, the article was a lot of fun to write, very, very long. I can see why Joel Luckup just did a list in, like, the notes app and put it on Twitter because it was lots of <laughs> words to say, especially, like, the the fun part was, and, and, and we'll jump back into Nixon Zell and, and Shogo here in just a second, but the fun part about that article was looking at the states where it was really hard to find a good player. And just messing around with some of the ones, like, I forget which state it was, but I picked Joe Valentine. And if anyone remembers anything about Joe Valentine, I don't. But the reason that I picked him was if you go look up Joe Valentine on Baseball Reference, he has an all-time great profile picture on that website. Just phenomenal. (laughs) Looks like he was surprised that a camera was even anywhere near him (laughs) when the photo was taken. So yeah, so sorry to hijack the center field conversation. I just wanted to to plug the stuff you guys are doing over there. But uh, if you want to jump back into center field, uh, you know I'm concerned that the Reds are going to alienate themselves from Nick Senzel, and you know you can only jerk a guy around so much before he's going to sour on your organization. And so far. Nick Senzel has said all of the right things and he has done every single thing that's been asked of him. And yet they go out and sign a guy for the position that they convinced him to play. So I'm, I'm a little concerned at this point of what the impacts on the long-term relationship between the Cincinnati Reds and Nick Senzel are going to be. So let's talk about that for a minute too, because if, if I'm in his shoes and I'm pretty sure if you're in his shoes too, you're not reacting the same way that he has been. I mean, he has been a absolute class act like we're not looking at anything he wasn't saying anything near what rice Iglesias was saying or anything like that he was being a class act professional dude because think of this he's drafted as a third baseman they put him in the minors they play him at third a little bit then they're like you know what we might could use you at short they put him at short for like 25 minutes and decide that they want to put him at second base and they play him at second base for a little bit and then they're like, no, 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 no. We're going to put you center field. Center field's going to be the spot. All right. He makes the majors. He's in center field. And then the very next year, after it's a year that's cut short due to a freak injury, he's now displaced. And one thing that I, I look at with Nick Senzel, and it's really just based on the language, the, the motions of the team that I'm coming up with this assumption is that he's going to be a super utility player because when you sign Shogo, he can play center field and you've got Senzel who can play center field, but I almost think they're penciling Shogo in as the everyday center fielder. And if, if, if he gets into center field at all, it's going to be on days where Shogo plays in the corners or is just on the bench. And otherwise, he's just going to have to fit in somewhere else in the lineup, which I think is a total disservice to him. And if I'm him, and I think if you're him, 
I'm probably raising a stink about it because who knows what's going to happen when this contract comes up in a couple of years. Yeah, well, I think what's going to happen is he's going to say, see you later. Uh, I, I just can't imagine that. I can't imagine if they continue to treat him this way, he's going to want to stick around. And and still, even with that, he said all the right things. He he has said he wants to be one of those guys that's a career Cincinnati Red. You know, his family has gone out. And, you know, even his dad was on, on my podcast and said that the hope is that Nick could play his whole career with, with the Cincinnati Reds. So for me, he continues to say all the right things. Now, how that plays out, in reality, I think the Reds are, are trying their best to screw this up. Uh, if they're going to use him as a super utility, then that just needs to be said. They need to stop dicking around and, and trying to misdirect and just say, we have so many great bats on this team and we have so much talent that the best use of Nick Senzel is to play five days a week at five different positions or play six days a week in five different positions. And basically everybody's getting one day off and Nick Zenzel is still playing every day, he's just scooting around. Now, if, if they come out and are honest and say that, and Nick's okay with it, if it's about, you know, if it's truly about helping the team and just being on the field, then maybe there's a middle ground there. Maybe that's the compromise. But I think if they keep this whole business of, you know, saying one thing and doing another up, they're really going to alienate this guy and, and ruin the relationship. The thing with him that it's just absolutely crazy is that, and I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, yeah. No. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Yes, it's absolutely crazy that he has maintained the level of professional. And, and I. that's one of the biggest reasons why I love him so much as a Red is because he just constantly says, I'm ready to do the work wherever you need me to do the work. That's what I want to do. And I love that, and I wish, like you said, I wish they were more forthright and transparent with that, which maybe that's one of those things where they feel like they got to hide their cards or hold them close to their chest. I don't know, whatever. That's that's goofy to me. I do want to play a little hypothetical game. Pretend for a minute that there's nobody on this roster. What is his most ideal position? Second base. I think so too. And what could be very interesting to me and I this this almost seems like I'm I'm being a a stand for the Reds and for the front office and I don't mean to be but what do you think's coming down the road here in a year or two for the National League? Well, I know that it may be this year that there's going to be a designated hitter spot and that's going to free up a spot on the infield. I, I mean, we know that that's going to happen. So that's were the they, only, were, were they planning ahead? I right. mean, that's the only thing I'm thinking here. Like as far as positive thinking, they're like, you know what, let's do this now and we'll have two guys who can play center field. And then whenever the DH comes, we are more than ready to handle that. We don't have to, lose a position guy, which I didn't think they were going to have to anyway. They could have thrown Joey in there and put, you know, Moustakis at first. But I don't know, whatever. There's plenty of things that they can do once the DH actually comes to the National League. And, look, we can we can debate the merits of the DH. It's not going away. I think we probably are on the same page where we prefer it not to be a thing, but it's definitely a thing. 
And I'm okay with that. But I think that's the only way that you can spin this as them not completely crowding him out of a starting job. Well, here's the other problem that I have. And it's they go and give a three-year deal to Shogo Akiyama and really do treat him like he is going to be the starting center fielder. I mean, it it just felt that way. I don't know if you got that vibe, but the way the team presented him and and the way that the interactions were handled, it just felt to me like, you know, they were presenting him as here's our new center fielder. The problem with that is we don't know how he's going to perform against major league pitching. And we don't know how he's going to adjust. Now, you know, if he's, anything like uh, Ichiro was, I'll be happy. But, I mean, who wouldn't be, you know? And and everybody's not going to be that kind of superstar. It's a, it's, a, it's a wild card. We don't know. And you I can see. make projections and you can make guesses, but until he gets out there for 100 games against Major League Pitching, we're really not going to know what we've got. And in the meantime, you're screwing over your future superstar to, to see how this experiment plays out. That's totally true. And... I saw this one comparison, and we can talk about comparisons until we're blue in the face, but I saw this one comparison that actually kind of excited me. And tell me if you take this or not, Adam Eaton. I don't know. I, I just I just don't know. And what I saw in that limited sample size in spring training is that he, he does have a good feel for the strike zone. He does know how to handle himself against a fastball, but I just don't know. And it just seems like a big gamble when you're messing with a guy that, you know, still has five years of team control that you've asked to be the center fielder. I just, I don't know. I I would love to know what Dick Williams is really thinking and we never will. And we won't know if there was another move lined up and we won't know if this was all about the designated hitter because they'll never tell us. But you know, it's just like I said, it's one of the more confusing things they did in the offseason. It would be very intriguing to see how that plays out. What I mean, reports are that we're going to get baseball this year. I'm not sure when, but according to Jeff Passan at ESPN.com, he's talking about they're trying to iron out all the fine details. So hopefully, whenever that gets going, we'll see how this all plays out. Real quick before uh, we end, there was something that I saw from our friends over at the Blog Red Machine. And I'm going to have Drew Cook on here in a couple of days to talk more about this. But it was from a tweet that Trevor Bauer sent out during the first round of the NFL draft. He was congratulating Joe Burrow on being picked number one overall by the Cincinnati Bengals. And he said, great things are coming to Cincinnati sports in the next couple of years. Our friend Drew took that to kind of mean that he's going to come back, that Trevor Bauer will remain a Red after this season because he becomes a free agent whether there's a season or not. And he said he's only going to do one-year deals and all that other stuff. What do you make of this? Because I think that Trevor Bauer is one of those guys that no matter what he does in life, there are a few people who know that, and they're all keep they're all going to keep those cards close to their chest. You know, I think that if this were regular times with the regular amount of sports news and the regular amount of games being played, no one would really have even noticed this tweet. Uh, But everybody's so starved for information and content and things to talk about that 
you know, they seized upon this tweet from Trevor Bauer. Now, could he, he could be in Cincinnati. It, it, he has said he's going to sign one-year deals with teams that are contenders. The, the 2021 season, the Reds are going to have a lot of these pieces still in place and will be considered contenders in the National League Central. So... Are the, are the Reds one of the teams that he could re-sign with? Sure, but it's going to go out and it's going to be a bidding war. And with Castillo and Gray, I don't know if the Reds are going to throw that kind of money at their number three starter that he could command on the open market like that in a bidding war. So, you know, I don't know. Could it be the Cincinnati Reds? Sure. Will it be? Eh, I don't know. It depends on how much success and what, if any, 2020 baseball season looks like. So this is definitely a conversation that will span many, many months until we actually know where he goes during the offseason. So I don't want to go too far into speculating if he'll stay. But I want to know what you think about this because I think, now granted, with him, they are better. But I don't think a starting rotation sands Trevor Bauer and, say, replace Bauer with Tyler Malley. I don't think it's that much worse. Well, especially the Trevor Bauer we saw last season. I mean, <laughs> yeah. if, if he if he bounces back to, you know, when he's getting Cy Young votes, well, then sure, he's he's a he's a huge addition to have as your number 3 starter, but do we lose a lot by going to Mali? Uh depends on on how Tyler puts it together. I mean, I like what we've seen from Tyler and I don't think he's done improving. So you know, one year, 2020 of Trevor Bauer and then gives way to an improved Tyler Molly. I, I can live with that. I could too. And I think that's probably going to be something like you said, that with Castillo and Gray, if the price tag gets too high, which of his checklist that he has mentioned to different people at different times, money has never been a part of that. Now, whenever, you know, you got the Yankees throwing down whatever $20 million a year or something like that on the table and the Reds probably, who knows, maybe throw like $14, $15 million a deal, then let's really see what he's talking about. But at the same time, I think that it's not going to be a situation that really hinges the entire hopes of the Reds' window of contention on whether or not Trevor Bauer is a red in 2021, but just something to think about. I think Mm -hmm. I agree. So that is going to do it for today's episode of the locked on reds podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining me, Steve. I thank you very much uh, for talking with me. We are going to look at the right field spot on your podcast. That's the reds alert podcast. You can find it where, you can find that on most of the major podcasting platforms and at redsalertpodcast.com. And that episode talking about the uh, right field position will be out on Thursday, the 29th. Yeah, Thursday the 29th. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, no, 30th. Thursday, Thursday to Thursday to 30th. That episode will be out on Thursday to 30th where uh, you'll be joining me to talk about right field. And I have a feeling that it's just going to be one of those episodes when we're super happy at what we're looking at. Unless we like really dive deep into the defense. But I, I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to focus mostly on the offense. I think so. <laughs> All right, Steve, thanks, man. And we'll talk to you soon. All right. Aloha.
Hey Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.